the wonder of Christmas, four weeks of probably more gentleness, something we could use right about now in light of all the chaos in our world, in our families, in our stresses. And I'm hoping that this contemplation style of Advent focus will make us redirect our thoughts from just letting our thoughts run. I think it's really important. But there were some things that made me ponder, so I want to go over a couple things that kind of got deep really quick for me, and I don't know, just it, I thought I'd stop by now, but I haven't. Um, but here we go. People raised on love see things differently than those, who, those raised on survival. I found that interesting because this is another lesson in learning to pause and take time to understand somebody else's background. And if you don't know it, then take the time to get to know it instead of the shortcut of judging. It's really important. I thought that was really good. Christmas season is here. Four ways to help a friend with a chronic illness. This holiday, don't give unsolicited advice. That's going to be really hard for some folks. <laughs> Invite them to your parties. Let them know they can leave early and be understanding that flare-ups can happen at any time. You'd be surprised at how many people struggle with certain things, anxiety issues, you name it, stresses, things that trigger them. We need to be gracious. So when we see something happen, somebody has to depart, it's okay. There's freedom to do it. I like this one. Some of you didn't try God. You tried church, small c. And when church hurt you, or you found out that liars and fake people also go to church, you concluded that God wasn't real or that Christianity was a joke. If people, if people can make you walk away from God, small g, you were never in a relationship with him. You were just in a man-made religion. This is a nice wake-up call to those who have been frustrated and hurt and burned by the church. Hope Fellowship has become a place for the last 20 years, a place for the hurt and burned churched. Those that want to find something more, that are not satisfied with the regurgitated food from pulpits. And I hope you don't feel that here or you wouldn't be here. But the whole point is we're looking for a more hope-filled perspective. And people will hurt you. That's just the reality. Not every church is going to be a right fit. It just isn't. It's about how you gel and connect and what, you, what you're there for and what you're able to give into that. You pretty much get back what you put in. That really does happen. I thought that was a really good pause for ponder. I do not understand the mystery of grace. By the way, nobody does. <clears throat> Only that it meets us where we are, but it does not leave us where it found us. And I've used the term grace has a name. His name is Jesus. I love this by Thomas F. Torrance. This, if you don't know who this person is, this is a deep theologian that has profound depth. I love this. Christ was so one with us, and by the way, we talked about union and oneness for the last couple of weeks. That was a pretty big theme. Here's what he writes. Christ was so one with us that when he died, we died. For he did not die for himself, but for us. And he did not die alone, 
but we died in him as those whom he had bound to himself inseparably by his incarnation. Therefore, when he rose again, we rose in him and with him. And when he presents himself before the face of the Father, he presented us also before God so that we are already accepted of God in him, one and for all. Terrell alluded to being reminded today. And we need this constant reminder especially in the face of negativity, especially in the face of people challenging and using the word no on us. No, you're not good enough. No, you can't do anything right. Those were my messages growing up. This is the anti-no truth. We need to know K-N-O-W instead. This is the hope we have. This is what Christmas was all about. That's what the anticipation of Advent was four. I found I had less and less to say until finally I became silent and began to listen. I discovered in the silence the voice of God. I love that. As we enter into the quiet stillness of this present moment, we awaken to everything around us without and within. As if for the first time, Seeing with new eyes, with an open heart, resting in peace, flowing with joy in the loving radiance of our beloved. Seeing as if from our heart with eternal eyes. This comes from calm contemplation and stillness. And this is from Brian Zahn. I love this. Advent is for waiting. As we tell the story of redemption through the church calendar, we begin our telling of the sacred story, not with doing, not with celebrating, but with waiting, waiting for God to act. Huh, I like that. Waiting's hard. We don't do waiting very well. <laughs> so, this first advent of hope, I believe I have a, no, I have a devotional next from Henry Now. This is really good. You're going to love these two on hope. I, have to, I had to do two because, sorry, it just, it was bo- they were both so good. So I, I, I don't want to save it for another time because n- another time won't come. Hope at all times. And since the theme of Advent is hope, this will fit. It is central in the biblical tradition that God's love for his people should not be forgotten. Thanks, Terrell, for that song again. It should remain with us in the present. When everything is dark, when we are surrounded by despairing voices, when we do not see any exists, then we can find salvation in a remembered love. A love that is not simply a wistful recollection of a bygone past, but a living force that sustains us in the present. Through memory, love transcends the limits of time and offers hope at any moment of our lives. And the second one, a hidden hope. 
The world lies in the power of the evil one. The world does not recognize the light that shines in the darkness. We've taught on that many times. It never did. It never will. But there are people who, in the midst of the world, live with the knowledge that he is alive and dwells within us. That he has overcome the power of death and opens the way to glory. Are there people who come together who come around the table and do what he did in memory of him? Are there people who keep telling each other the stories of hope and together go out to care for their fellow human beings? Bond to that. Not pretending to solve all problems, but to bring a smile to a dying man and a little hope to a lonely child. It's so little, so unspectacular. Yes, so hidden. This Eucharistic life, but it is like yeast, like a mustard seed, like a smile on a baby's face. It's what keeps faith, hope, and love alive in a world that is constantly on the brink of self-destruction. Living like that is what Advent looks like with skin on. The hope. It's not about some big event. Christmas Eve is not the pinnacle. Christmas Day is not the pinnacle. The pinnacle of all that we're talking about is how you love someone right in front of you at any given moment. That is the pinnacle. Don't forget that. Otherwise, you have a false hope on a special day that comes once a year So, this hope, how is it connected to the prophecies as we look through Advent? Let's take in this video clip and see what we have here. I think you'll like this. So, I have this serious problem with Christmas presents. Don't worry, no soapbox is here. Now see, the problem is actually with me. (sighs) I hint at the gifts, you know? I spill the beans and I ruin the surprise every year. But I can't help it. I love it so much. Mommy, I need you! I'm coming, sweetie! Spoiling the surprise kind of reminds me how God works. He likes to hint at big things. Like the way he hinted about that very first Christmas gift. All those years ago, the Lord himself shall give you a sign, and the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yeah, he was preparing the gift already. God packed up the greatest gift that the world had ever seen. Not even he could keep it to himself. He gets me. And God didn't just let the surprise slip once. No, he let the cat out of the bag nearly 300 times in the Old Testament. We call them prophecies. But here's the big difference between God's prophecies and just (laughs) spoiling a surprise. One is giving the gift early, but you don't get to open it. And the other is God giving us a gift of hope while we wait for Jesus to come. (laughs) Do you see it? He wasn't telling us a secret. He was making us a promise. Because we humans, three chapters into the creation story, 
we managed to mess it all up. Yeah, we needed saving. Desperately. So, God kept sending us hope through his prophets and messengers. And that hope was the gift of his son, the Messiah. And there will never be a greater gift than Jesus. And the cool thing is that hope isn't over. He promises to come again and take us all home. So the gift is just right there. The question is, will you accept it? And some of you realists are already thinking in your heads, there's no way that calendar is really that clean. No kid has hair that perfect. Anyway, <laughs> I thought, I, yeah. How many thought that? I knew Lori did. Yep, yep, there we go. See? It's very funny. I love it. <laughs> oh, they, okay, I'll leave that alone. All right, moving on. This Isaiah thing. This is a big one. So this is, this is the reminder. And what I liked about the clip was the idea of giving away secrets. Because there are some people that kind of let on and kind of tease people. Hey, can you guess what's in it? Kids are shaking things and they're trying to guess from the shape of the box or whatever the wrapping is, uh, what that thing could be. And it's really hard to wrap a baseball bat a different way. Um, but you know what I mean? It's hard. But the whole idea here, the way she shared that, God wasn't trying to keep it a secret. This is about something is coming. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. One thing I did not get into today, and I'm, I'm, I meant to, just I have way too many slides that we'll never finish today, and that's fine, because um, that happens once in a while. Um, but the whole idea of Daniel and a dream he had reminds me of Christmas. Most often, it is never referred to in any Christmas sermon or Christmas devotional. But the story of Daniel, when he is seeing this dream, because King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he forgets what it is, and he says to his wise guys, hey, tell me the meaning of the dream. Sure, tell us what the dream is. No, you tell me the dream too. And they couldn't, so he was going to kill them all. And Daniel prayed, and the Lord gave him insight into the dream. And the dream was this idea of this hand, or this, this, this rock was carved out of a, a mountain not with human hands. And the rock came and was thrown at a statue. And the statue had a head of gold. It had a chest of bronze and a thing of silver and then iron and clay. And then the, and then the toes were a mix of iron and clay together. So the, the iron was in the legs. However it was. But the stone came and hit the ten toes, and the whole statue comes crashing down. And that's where most of us stop at the story. But the best part is the very next thing it says. Then the rock grew and filled the whole earth. This, I believe, is a prophecy of Jesus coming. The rock the kingdom of God coming and filling the whole earth. Jesus wins. This gives me great hope 
for all the naysayers today who only focus on the world getting worse and worse and worse. That is only one perspective of eschatology. It is not the only one by far. But if that's Jesus coming, it does something because each of those items, the, um, the, the gold head, that was Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel said, you are the head, you're the gold, you're the top, but after you will come another kingdom, and after that another kingdom, and then another kingdom. Well, who is the kingdom of iron? Anybody know? It's an easy one. Every theologian agrees on this. Who could it be? Anybody know or offhand? Romans. So each kingdom that has come, and then the Roman Empire came, and at the exact time when Jesus came, the Roman Empire had to split into how many territories? Take a guess. How, how many toes are on a feet? Ten, thank you. Ten toes, okay? So here we have clay and iron mixed, and those divisions and factions had in-house fighting and so on. There was betrayal, all kinds of turmoil going on, and it was a kingdom divided. And that's when Jesus shows up. And we wonder, how did the Magi possibly know when to come? I'm sorry, but I think that dream was the hint. They were the ones following times and seasons and reading charts and, and kingdom changes and so on and recognized this is the time. Oh, yeah. There's more going on than what we thought. And then Jesus arrives. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. But then we have this promise from Isaiah 7, 14. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young virgin, or another translation is, a young woman will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and shall call him Emmanuel, God with us, which is the very song. Tara, did you get the notes before? Because it's all tied in here. It's really cool. And we have John 10.10, 10, the reason Jesus came. See, it's nice that Jesus came, but why? Why? Did he come to appease a ticked-off father? Did he come to make well and, and kind of cover up the horrible, horrible humanity and, and kind of calm a ticked-off deity? No, it came for you and for me. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they would have life and have it abundantly. How do we have our lives stolen and killed and destroyed? It's by lack of hope. It's by negativity. Those things destroy the messaging of you're not enough, you're not good enough. But when we know we are good, holy, pure, and righteous, then we can live abundantly from a true identity. I like the Passion Translation when it says this, Thieves enter only to take away life, to steal what is not theirs, and to bring to ruin all they cannot have. I have come to give the good life, a life that overflows with beauty and harmony. That is good news. 
Then we whip over to 1 Corinthians 11. New Living Translation says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. How does that fit into Advent? It does. He came to be our sustenance, to be our life. First Nations translation says it like this. In the same manner, when, he, when the evening meal was over, he took the cup of wine, giving thanks to the great spirit, and said, this cup represents the new peace treaty, the reconciliation, it did, <laughs> brought into being at the cost of my lifeblood. Whenever you drink this cup, drink it to remember me. For until our honored chief returns, each time you ceremonially eat from this fry bread and drink from this cup, you are retelling the story of his death and its full meaning and purpose. The way that translation words it, it's insinuating we have more to remember. And not just remember a story, not remember a, a certain translation and, oh yeah, I got it. No, to contemplate, to meditate on those words until you feel the anticipation. It's not calling us to do anything. But when we connect with the voice of the one already in us and actually hear that voice, then we will do much, but never in our own power. It's beautiful. Hebrews 2, 14 to 17. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. And this is critical. The fact that he came as flesh and blood. That's a whole different theological message that I'm going to get into another time, but definitely not today. The Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, the accuser, the voice of the accuser, however you want to word that, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Pause there. Here's something important, this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, the Jews, they, had, they didn't have God with us. They had God over there. That's all they knew, God over there. Never here. It was in the temple. Oh, and you had to jump through so many hoops to maybe get into the one place and never into the center center, which only happened once a year after there was a, this lottery done to see which priest would go in once a year to the holiest of holies which is supposed to be the presence of god god of over there the god of distant the god of up and out there 
Christ in you was foreign. They had no concept of a deity living in. The whole Jewish faith is based on God over there. Or at least they can point to it. I did find it interesting that when they had their sacrificial system going, when they did that, take the two goats and one is sacrificed, the other one's set free, and all the sins are put onto that one goat, it applied to every single person there. Oh, and whether they believed it or not. Think about that for just a minute. It applied to everyone even if they didn't believe it or if they weren't actually present in Jerusalem because they had a shift, they had the night shift. It applied. Huh. That's pretty powerful. And yet we hear frustrations in our religious worlds and Christianity that the power of Christ's blood was not powerful enough to affect all humanity. But the Jews already had that concept that it fit everybody that was there. Huh. Whose is more powerful? I clearly say Jesus. Some people worship Adam more than they worship God or Jesus. They worship the power of Adam, which is strong enough to make all people sinners, so to speak. But Jesus was not powerful enough to make all holy and alive in Christ. That's another sermon. That's a good one. But before I get there, here we go. First Nations translation says it like this. So then, since these brothers and sisters all share in what it means to be weak human beings, he also became weak human being just like them. He did this so that by dying, he would bring an end to the one who holds the power of death, the evil trickster. I love that word trickster. Because the word devil means accuser, deceiver. Well, deceiving is tricking. (laughs) I thought that was a very authentic way to translate it. He died to set all people free. Wait, how many? Oh my goodness, look at that word. Anyway, he died to set all people free who have lived their lives as slaves to the evil trickster because of their fear of death. It is clear that he did not come for spirit messengers, but he came to set free the descendants of father of many nations, Abraham. I am saying that the creator sets free, Jesus, needed to become fully, truly human. In this way, he could serve as creator's honorable and merciful chief, holy man and perform the ancient mercy seat ceremony one last time to heal the bad hearts and broken ways of the people. (laughs) Jesus entered into the system of religion of the Jewish faith and changed it from the inside out. I don't know if any of you have seen The Matrix. I'm sure there's only a few that have, but there's a scene where um, Neo is allows to be consumed taken over but from the inside out boom that's when life starts that's when he took over and the power came after being absorbed Jesus becoming sin absorbed everything 
Every faulty concept we had of God, every faulty concept we had of ourselves, we're absorbed in Christ, and we died with it, and we rose to a new life, and now we have a brand new created identity. We are a new creation in Christ. I'm going to skip that. Skip that. Yeah. Yeah. This idea of Christ in us was spoken of and referred to all through Advent. Through all the prophecies. There were over 300 prophecies. Not all backgrounds of different religions and faiths and denominations agree with how many there really were. But 300 is probably a good number. 300 prophecies referring to the coming of the Messiah. And it's beautiful. We get to experience that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today will you slow us down in our minds, even this week, at different intervals, will you call out to us, attract us to the side for a moment to ponder, to think, to listen, to hear your voice. And whatever it is you want to say to us, may we have ears to hear what you have to say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.